Good morning, Highlight Church. How are you today? There we go. There we go. Let's let's sound like the weather is perfect, you know? Let's sound like it. All right. Well, we are in a series entitled I Promise. This is week number five. And uh, we are studying the character of God as it concerns his promises. Um, There are thousands of promises in God's word. And so... uh, I've, I'm determined to make this a annual series. Nothing, you know, we're not, we're not going to end this series uh, next week. This series is going to come back next year. Um, how many have been blessed by the I Promise series? Um, I promise to meet you where you are. I promise that failure isn't final. What was last week? Someone help me. I promise that you can do the impossible. So good. And uh, the first week was very foundational, so if you uh, have access to uh, podcasts and iTunes, check that out. Uh, that one was entitled Golden Nuggets Under Your Nose. We, we, taught how, uh, <laughs> we, taught how, <laughs> we taught how in every page of Scripture, there's either a promise of God or an instruction that leads to a fulfilled promise. There's an instruction. I mean, there's a lot of pages in this Bible, so... Go ahead and read your Bibles when you get a chance. Join me in Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to read verses 13 to 18 this morning. Hebrews chapter 6. If you go to your New Testament, it's the second half of your Bible. If you need your table of contents, go ahead and use those. Uh, We built this church for everybody, everybody, everybody. So Hebrews 6 verse 13 says this. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants beyond number. How many people want to be blessed by God? Show of hands. Show of hands. All right. We've got a few out there that didn't raise their hands. He's still going to bless you anyway because he loves you. I'm going to draw you in. I see you out there. Um, Verse 15, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. He waited patiently. I don't know how true that is, but are you saying there there are contradictions in the scripture? No, we're going to talk about that later. Uh, Verse 16, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. How many people have been lied to before? All right, well, some of y'all never been lied to. You're going to participate of the morning. Come on, lighten up. Don't be looking all serious out there. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. Someone say great confidence. Come on, there we go. Great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you again. 
and uh, get me out of the way, and you have your way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I promise. Um, Have you ever been into someone or something, like, way too much? Like, you you liked them or you liked it way too much? Um, Kind of obsessive? Um, Anything, anything. I know when I was a kid, for me, it was um, video games. Uh, I, I used to always bug my mom about the next NBA Live 2005, and it's crazy because now they got NBA Live 2017, and uh, you come to realize that uh, you get old real quick, real quick. I'll be 30 on Tuesday. You know, I'm just saying, you know. But uh, my wife is hotter. She is 21. My wife is 21. She's a year older than me. Anyway. Um, So, yeah, you know, what was I saying? Anyway. Yeah, like just borderline obsessive uh, about something. Um, Such as when we first met. Um, She was, didn't want to let me go. Always wanted me over for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. As a matter of fact, when we first met, it was in a Barnes and Noble. And uh, I mean, the store was packed. She was studying for her NCLEX to uh, get your nursing license. And I was studying for my MCAT, and it was packed. And we had seen each other a few times, uh, a few weeks, and, and you know, beforehand. And this particular day, she came in, and my table was the only table that was free and she asked, she said, hey, there's nowhere else to sit. Can I sit down with you? And I say something lame. I said, sure, there's always room for you. <laughs> and we had never spoken before. We had just smiled at each other in passing. I'm like, did I just say that? And I have all these Bibles and commentaries right here and my medical stuff. And yeah, I said it. I said it. But she sat down and the rest is history. We became friends and we became more than friends. So um, today we're going to talk about a guy named Abraham. Abraham was born around 1800 B.C. Um, He's from Ur, U-R, of the Chaldeans. And um, he's about 10 generations removed from Noah, which is interesting because in Jewish history, they teach you that uh, Abraham had about 60 years of his life where he was exposed to Noah's teaching. Noah had three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. Um, Sham is... Uh, the, the patriarch of the Jewish people. And so um, he would have had a few hundred years with Sham as well. So uh, Abraham was exposed to the true God, but he wasn't fully a believer in the true God. He was kind of mentored in him, taught in him. You know, he had Noah for 60 years. Noah passed away when he was like 962. At this time, Abraham was 60 years old. Um, Abraham's father, uh, Terah, was an idol worshiper. So he did not worship God. He didn't worship the one true God. Terah was a high-ranking official who served under Nimrod, the king of Babylon at the time. And he would used to uh, produce and make statues of idols. And Abraham used to uh, sell his father's idols to, to people so that they could make a living. So uh, based upon his exposure with Noah, he knew God. But because of the home he was raised in, he didn't truly know God because Terah didn't worship God. He served many different gods. What's interesting about this is is that um, most of us know of God, 
we've heard about God. Um, most of us in here, I would say about half or if not 40% were raised Catholic. Um, I was raised Baptist. The first 18 years of my life, I went to church. But I could clearly admit that I didn't know God. I actually didn't know God. I didn't meet Jesus himself. I went to church, but I didn't know Jesus until I was 19 years old when I went to college. I didn't know this all-powerful, all-loving, um, all-magnificent, all-supplying, all-supporting, all-strengthening Lord that I now serve. The one who has enabled my life to pretty much go places where I never could have dreamed before I met him. I knew church, but I didn't know God. And I think the same can be said for a lot of us in here. Um, and then atheists will say, well, you're not talking to me because I don't believe in God. Well, let me inform you. You may not believe in God, but you believe in something. You're not a non-believer of God. You just have your faith in something else. And so you just, you don't know God. We're all in the same boat. Abraham's background was indifferent to God. We all have different backgrounds, raised in church, no church, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, um, atheists. Uh, we all have different backgrounds. Each of us was raised with some knowledge of God. This is an amazing thing because we see here in Scripture where we serve a God, Christians, we serve a God in Scripture who actually goes after people. He doesn't allow your lack of belief to keep him from you. He doesn't allow your doubt to keep himself from you. He chooses to draw near to indifferent people. He chooses to draw near to people that don't want anything to do with him. He chooses to draw near to broken people. And we serve that kind of God. And so he calls them, he saves them from their sin, and he sticks with them through all that he has promised to do. So he calls us, he saves us from our sin. The word sin is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. There's a standard. It's found in your Old Testament. There's a standard that we all miss because we are all sinful beings. That if we were judged by that standard, and if we were to die today without Jesus Christ, our destiny would be an eternal hell. Hell is separation from God. I'm not judging you. This is what the Bible says. I'm just a messenger. Don't get mad at me. Please come back next Sunday. It's going to be great. I'm just, you ever got a message from somebody and said, hey, I need you to tell that person this, and you told that person that, and you're like, hey, don't be, I'm just a messenger. Okay? This is the standard, okay? But Jesus took care of that standard. So he calls you, he saves you based on your faith response, and then there are these promises that you get a chance to access. And he did the same with Abraham. If you read Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says, leave your native people, go to a place where I will show you. So leave what you know, step out into a life that you can't predict, that you can't calculate, that you can't put together. Trust me. And if you step out on faith and trust me with your life, it is at that point, by faith, that you initiate, number one, salvation. You don't have to perform to get close to Jesus. There's no, there's no confession. You know, there's, there's none of this stuff that you have to go through, all this process. It's just faith in Jesus, and then you walk. 
and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. Your family will be a blessing to all the families upon the earth. Genesis 12, this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives all of us in this room access to God. And so the Bible says that Abraham went. He trusted and he stepped out on obedience. And so what I want to talk about today is God's promise. God says, I promise to stick around. I promise to stick around. I promise to stick around and fulfill my goodness in your life. And his promise to stick around should bring us great hope for this life and the one to come. I want to share three things about God's promise to stick around. Verse 13 and 14 says this. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham since there was no greater to swear by. God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Point number one is this. You have to understand that the good promise of God for your life is premeditated. Please take notes. You should never enter into the presence of God without a notebook. Well, I'm taking it in my mind. That's great. You're going to forget as soon as you leave. Take a note. His promise for your life is premeditated. He has it all thought out. He's planned it. He's designed it. He wrote it out. It's all in scripture. He's thought it through. It, it, it's there. Kyra and I have a short-term and long-term plans for our children. Uh, more so, a more recent example, this Wednesday, I, uh, I said, you know what, man, I haven't had a daddy date day with my son, my oldest son, Jaziel, in about three months. Like, that's a long time. I like to take him places a lot. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to take him to go and see the Power Rangers movie. Anyone saw the Power Rangers movie, show of hands? It was quite disappointing. It's quite disappointing because uh, <laughs> you caught me late. Yeah, I'm sorry. They took too long to morph. Like, yeah, I mean, even my kid asked me when we left. He said, Dad, why it took so long to morph? I said, so much for the surprise. But So I, I, I premeditated it. I took him. I said, you know what? I'm going to let him wake up early on Saturday. He's going to play his video game. And at 1130, I'm going to have him get ready for, uh, for this movie. Hey, son, just get dressed. So he gets dressed. I take him to the movie. And... Um, he looks around. I say, what, what movie do you want to see? And he says, I want to see Power Rangers. I said, well, that's the movie we're going to see. We're going to go and see Power Rangers. And he gives me the biggest smile and the biggest hug and all that good stuff you could ever ask for. It was premeditated. And so we had popcorn. I haven't allowed him to have this big old cup of soda. I'm sorry. I have to admit it. I'm preaching the word of God. I got to be honest about what I just did. I'm confessing. His big cup of soda. He shouldn't have, but he did. And he, he, he enjoyed himself. I mean, I'm not going to trip out about it. Well, I want to say this is that God is not confused about his intentions towards you. He's not confused. He, he, he understands where you are. He has it all planned out. When you don't know what to do, he knows what to do. He, 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 he's not confused. He knows. He has a design. He has a, 
He has a plan. It's already premeditated. He says, I've made up my mind. Abraham, I know you're indifferent to me. I know you did that last night. I know you did that last week. I know you hit the quit button on me, but I haven't quit on you because my love and my plan is premeditated for your life. I know your background. I know where you're from. I understand how you were raised, but that's not going to separate me in my plan from you. And so I'm choosing you because I want to bless you. I want to multiply you. I want to grow you because of everything I put on the inside of you. And not just that, anytime God makes a promise, it's because there's a purpose attached to it. The purpose by which God promised Abraham was to bring forth the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So anytime you see a promise in Scripture, there's always a purpose attached to it. And this, this, his promise is premeditated. This thought contradicts most of what we were taught about God growing up. We were taught that God was this guy in the sky who, if you did wrong, he was going to light you on fire. We were taught that he, he just, he was sitting around in heaven and he was waiting to just get you. God's going to, God's going to get me. Oh man, life is tough right now. God's getting me. Oh man, life is so hard right now. God is, God's judgment is on my life. Oh my God, our business is going down. I, I just felt that test. God is getting me back for what I did last week. No. God is not up in heaven scheming and plotting on how he's going to get you. God is in heaven scheming and plotting on how he can get you on his side so he can give you everything he has for you. That's what God is plotting and scheming to do. That's, that's the scheme. That's, a, that's the, that's the storyline. Ephesians 1.4 says this. Note this, please, and go home with it. If you don't hear anything else today, this is your scripture. Even before he made the world. Stop. Take that verse off, please. Just go back to, I want to talk. This isn't even in my notes. Take that verse. There you go. Even before he made the world. So before Adam and Eve sinned, before the fall of sin, before anything you've ever done, watch this. Go back to that verse. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. The word holy means set apart for God and without fault in his eyes. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his sight. I'm going to teach for a little bit as much as I want to preach my notes. The Bible says in uh, Romans 3.23 that the wages of sin is death. Okay? And so we said earlier that sin means to miss the mark. The word death in the Greek can be translated as separation. So whenever you sin, there's something there in that moment that you have in that moment detached yourself from the will of God in that area of your life. Now, there is also what you call a life of transgression or a life of inequity, that as you wake up every day in sin, never repent, you never make Jesus Lord, if you die in that state, 
at that point, when you die, you end up in hell. The word hell means death, okay? The word death means separation. What are you separated from? You're separated from God, who is the source of life. So the wages of sin, what you get paid for sin is death. Not just eternal, but every area. So if there's an area where you lack fulfillment, or if there's an area where you consistently see that you're being defeated in, it could be a struggle with something, but it could also be that at the root of it, there's a sin attached to it. There could be something there that you have to admit, that you have to bring to God and say, Lord, this is me. It's pride. It's my money management. It's my lust. It's this. And God, I know you love me, but help me. Take this thing away from me because I want the fullness of what you have. Okay, so we did that. But this is so good. Jesus comes. He lives a perfect life, a sinless life. He dies on the cross, perfect sacrifice. Faith in him provides a way out of your sin. Faith in him gives us power over sin, according to the book of Romans. Faith in him gives us power over death. Like the song just said, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in our resurrection. So not only did Jesus resurrect, but when he comes back, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then those that are alive that believe in Christ are going to get taken up into heaven to be with the Father once and for all. So not only does Jesus resurrect, you and I resurrect. And he chose you in Christ before he created the world. He chose you in Christ before the fall of Adam and Eve. He chose you in Christ before the sin. He chose you in Christ before the illness. He chose you in Christ before Catholicism. He chose you in Christ before you were raised Baptist. He chose you in Christ before you even knew you would be an atheist. He, cho he chose you in Christ before the mistake. He chose you in Christ before your brokenness. So I loved you before and I chose you for more. That's what Ephesians 1, 4 is saying. I loved you before, and I chose you for more. I created you for more than a paycheck. I created you for more than an alcohol bottle. I created you for more than using your body. I created you for more than a Friday. I created you for more than a weekend. I created you for more than a joint. I created you for more. I created you for more. There's so much that God has in store. And so therefore, oh, I forgot about Abraham. No, I didn't. I created you for more. I will multiply you. Oh, is that less? Is that less? Someone talk to me. Is that less? I created you for more. More. You're going to be a great mother, a great father, a great single mother, a great single father. You're going to be a great boss, a great employee, a great student, a great leader. I created you for more. You're going to have influence. I created you for more. You're going to be a world changer. I created you for more. After a while, Gaithersburg won't be able to hold you. I created you for more. Ur of the Chaldeans can't hold you, Abraham. I created you for more. I created you for more. And so God has declared and determined, I will bless you, I will deliver you, 
And my promise is irrevocable and unconditional. Irrevocable and unconditional. Point number two, uh, Hebrews 6.15 says this. It says, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Point number two is this. He promises to stick around and fulfill his goodness in your life. Point number two is this. His promise requires patience. His promise requires patience. How many would admit patience struggle anonymous class that you struggle with patience and traffic? I mean, if nowhere else in traffic. Okay, we got one real. According to my wife, if someone is driving slow in front of you, nine times out of ten is me. <laughs> Because I tell her, man, my main goal is to get back home. Like, I don't, can, I, can we have a quick talk? Because counseling is too expensive. So for, for those of you tailgaters and those of you that like to kind of just move before you put on a signal, come on. Like, really, like, you aggressive drivers, please think about what you're doing. It's dangerous out there. You guys aggravate me and scare me so much. I said, God, I'm only 29. I'm not 30 yet. Like, I can't imagine how I'm going to be when I'm like 50. So, whoo. Anyway, back to the, his promise requires patience. But it's funny because when you struggle, when you're waiting on something, once you get that something you really want or need, it's almost as if the wait was worth it. You got it. The wait the wait was worth it. So in Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I'm going to multiply you and bless you. You need to go. At this point, Abraham is 75 years old when God makes this promise. And uh, it took God 25 years to fulfill that promise. It took him 25 years to fulfill that promise. Let's read this. This is a part of Abraham's journey. Genesis 15 says this. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. This was his name before he changed him to Abraham. The word Abram means father figure. So you haven't had your own child yet. Abraham means father of many nations. God is going to change his name from Abram to Abraham. And so he says this. Spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But it requires patience. Verse 2, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verse 5, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look at the sky and count the stars if you can, if, if you can quantify what I want to do in your life, if, if you can, meaning you can't. That's how many descendants you will have. And here's salvation right here. here here's the simplicity of salvation. If you want to be saved today, I love it, because Abram was saved when he said this, and Abram believed the Lord. He was persuaded, and the Lord counted him as righteous 
because of his faith. So Abraham receives the promise at Genesis 12, he's 75. Isaac isn't born. Isaac was his promise. He's not born until uh, Abraham is 100 years old. But I love Hebrews because it gives us an executive summary. It says that Abram, you got to wake up now. It says that Abram was patient. If anyone knows, we understand that Abram was not patient. Not in the way that we defined it. Abram actually had a son by a slave servant named Hagar. Her name is Ishmael. And at the time, Abram was 88 years old. Why? Because Abram has a wife whose name is Sarai. And Sarai says, well, I'm not working or you're not working. Something's not working here. Why don't you go and have your child with Hagar? So in his impatience, he steps outside of the promise of God. But we have to see God's grace still operating in Abraham's life. Even when you step outside of the promise, even when you step outside of the will of God, God is still faithful enough to still have his plan in store. He's still faithful enough to perform all of his goodness in your life. And I think what happened with Abram was, was that Abram got on the timeline of presumption. I want to I massage this for a little bit. The timeline of presumption. So I have a goal, or I hear God make a promise. I hear him say something, speak something into my heart, and I'm going to step out. It's day one. It's day two. It's day three. It's six months. But it hasn't happened. I'm, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to drop 20 pounds. It's, it's day one. It's, oh man, it's day two. I get on the scale. Oh my God, I weigh more than when I first. We had a great wedding. Gonna have a great marriage. This is the honeymoon. It's day two on the honeymoon. We're already arguing. Do you understand a great marriage takes years? We're going to move to Gaithersburg and start a church, and it's just going to be amazing. And people are going to love us because we're new, and we're hip, and we're young. <laughs> I'm already getting emails about theology and doctrine and this Easter egg drop. So many people are upset with us. Do you understand that? Because when God is taking you somewhere, you will receive opposition and it takes time the opposition is good we learned that last week it strengthens you it grows you it takes time he, he got on the timeline of presumption he, he presumed that because God promised me something in Genesis 12 by Genesis 15 it should have came I'm not gonna have a son Eleazar is gonna Eleazar God you promised me, me this it's been a year it's been two years it's been five years it's, you 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 promised me this thing and God is like I never I never gave you a timeline though I want to also minister this to you patience is not passivity so number one get off of the presumption of timeline God owes you nothing no one owes you nothing you have to have trust, and you have to continue to obey, and you got to continue to move forward with Jesus. 
God has never promised you nothing in a certain time. But you also have to understand that patience is not passivity. Oh, we're going to move to Gaithersburg, start a church. We're going to have new church on our shirts. And we're going to go and stand out there in downtown Crown. Hey, guys, we're a new church. Just, hey, I, oh, man, I'm, I'm lonely. Well, only thing you ever do is go to work. You work with people who don't talk to you. Then you go home. I'm lonely. We're just letting opportunities and people and network and the blessing of God just pass us by. Oh, another day, another 24 hours. I, I didn't even pick up my Bible. Well, I, I went to small group. That was enough. And I expect God to just move based upon Sunday and my small group. You just time just passing you by. You need to devote time in his word. You need to devote time in your prayer life. You need to devote time in your scripture. You need to devote time to obeying God so that in time you're going to see the promise come to pass. Patience is not passivity, just letting it pass by. Patience is, though, proactivity. What? No, no, yeah. Patience is proactivity. Abraham, you, you, want, you, want a, you want an heir? Yeah, I've been trying this thing out for 10 years with Sarai. What's going on? God is saying, you, you got more work to do. Get, get busy. Get, get to work. Patience is proactivity. Patience is actually doing what's right in your waiting. Patience is to obey in the delay. Patience is to get to work while no one else is working. You better work it while no one else is working. That's patience. Patience is doing what's right at night. Okay, let me go back. Patience is to obey in the delay. Patience is working it when no one else is working. Patience is doing what's right in the night. And as you allow that to incrementally stack up, before you know it, Sarai is going to conceive. Don't mess with Hagar. We're in a big mess almost 4,000 years later because of that right now. We're in a mess. We're in a religious war because of Abraham's failure. You got to do what's right in the night. You have to obey in the delay. So I should be studying. I need to delete some numbers out of my phone. I need to get rid of some friends that aren't feeding my faith. I'm I'm waiting on God to die. God is in it for the long haul, are you? Because when I'm truly patient, when I'm not passive, when I'm proactive, I forgot to drop this one on you. Get off of the timeline of presumption and get on the guideline of persuasion. Get off of the timeline of presumption and get on the guideline of persuasion. Being persuaded that what he says, the Bible just said that what God promises, he cannot lie. I was persuaded about this and about more 
way back in 2012. I, I, I was persuaded when they told us three weeks ago that what we're going to do for, for Easter could never be done. That's something God told me we were going to do as a church. So do I take the first no? No. What are you persuaded by? Get off of the timeline of presumption. That mess will have you birthing things that you weren't called to birth. And get on the guideline of persuasion. Be persuaded by his love. Be persuaded by his promise. Work hard for it. If God has shown you a vision and you see it, step towards it. Don't put an expiration date on it. Move towards it. Work towards it. Do that thing. It's going to come to pass in your life. Someone please amen me or catch me. Because when I'm truly patient, not one promise of the Lord will pass me by. When I'm truly patient, not one promise will pass me by. Hebrews 6, 16 through 18 says this. Now, when uh, people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. I remember I used to say, I swear to God, man, I swear to God. And without any question, I swear to God, didn't know what I was talking about. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would, I'm sorry, that he would never change his mind. So God had given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. That's a good deal. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Point number three is his promise is permanent. His promise is permanent. Um, my wife and I, we have tattoos on our ring fingers. Um, I, I, I kind of wish now I would have I gotten her initial. Um, and God kind of actually messed me up a little bit. But look, we got tattoos on our, on our ring fingers. Simply, this is my wedding band. Okay, I'm gaining weight. Anyway, this is my wedding band. Um, and it's, it's just a symbol. We understand, but I can, I can take it off whenever I want to, right? And don't, you, you smarty pants, when I say this, don't, don't pick on me, whatever. I, I can remove this, but I'm not going to. So this is permanent. We're, we're not going to remove these, these rings. This is who it is, and I still may get her initials here somewhere. This is permanent. I'm, I'm not going to re remove this from her because I'm bound to her forever. I'm, I'm committed to her. God says that his Promise is permanent. His promise is permanent. I can't take this off. God is saying, I can't take myself away from you. The word oath in the Greek means confinement. I'm not going to ask who's been in jail in here before. But the word, oath, the word oath in the Greek means confinement. So, you know, whenever you get locked up, you're in a holding cell. And what God is saying here in Hebrews chapter 6, 16 through 18, is that I've, I've confined myself to your life. I've, I've locked myself in. I've tied myself into your life. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And um, 
it says here that God, bring back the verse, and then we're going to close this thing out real strong here. It says here around verse 17, midway, it says, God also bowed himself with an oath to Abraham so that those, and, and to us, so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So this is the thing. God is confined to me. I wish I had, I was going to order handcuffs and do an illustration with somebody, but I didn't have time. God has bound um, himself to us. This is the thing. We go this way. God is right there. We go this way. God is right there. We go this way, but God wants to go this way. God is still right there. For some of us, God wants to go this way. We go that way. God wants to go that way. We go that way. This is the thing. You can be confined or bound or locked up with someone. You can be connected to someone, but you can actually be disconnected from what it is that they want to do or that they're trying to do in your life. You can be connected to God or God can be confound to your life. But chances are there are seasons where we don't want anything to do with God. But God has promised that I'm still going to stick with you. I'm still going to stick around to fulfill my good promises in your life. When you're at your lowest, when you're drunk out of your mind, when you're confused, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, when whatever's going on with you, I'm going to be with you in the valley. When you're on the mountaintop, I'm going to be with you in the mountaintop. When you're in the in-between, I'm going to be with you in the in-between because I promise that I'm going to stick around and fulfill my good purposes in your life. God has bound himself to you. It, it, it's hard for me to wake up in the morning and, and, and wake up and say, man, I, what's the most creative way I can punish my two boys? We, we live under the same roof. Hmm. Should I use the belt? Should I make them go to bed early? Should I give them Benadryl so that they can sleep? This all sounds sick and sinister. Please forgive me. No, I, I don't wake up approaching my boys with a bag of, of coals. I, when I wake up and I approach my boys, I bring my bag of goodies. I bring, and, and I think God is the same way. Like, I, I approach my boys and I say, I want to protect them. I, I want to guide them. I want to set them free. I, I want to take them up. I want to stretch them. The only way I can stretch them is I challenge them. I want to set them free from old paradigms in the past that were passed down by their parents and their fathers and their mothers and, and their aunts and their uncles and their grandparents. I want to, I want to break curses. I want to set free. And, and I think God, God feels the same way. I want to supply. I want to fill you. I want to bring you. A, a, I want to give you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. I want to do something new in your life. I've brought my bag of goodies. I brought my goodies. And, and, and there's, there's something going on in here. I, I can kind of sense it. For some of you, this is hard to believe. This isn't in my notes, so this is good. This is hard to believe because of the current season that you're in. Amen. 
this, this is hard to believe because of the current season, season that you're in. I was um, leaving CVS, and we're going to close this out. Come on up and um, close me out here. Um, I need a piano or something. I was in CVS, and I was leaving the parking lot. And, the, and Because we're in one of these seasons right now where it's, I don't feel God. I don't, I don't feel him. I, like, there are seasons where, like, God is so tangible and he's moving. But we're in one of these seasons where I don't feel him. But I still got to obey. I still got to step up here and deliver the word of God, the promises of God. And it was almost as if the Holy Spirit said this. The less you feel me, the more you have to trust me. And it's hard for you all to receive, some of you in this crowd, to receive what I'm saying simply because you don't see God in your situation right now. But his instruction to you is this, as it was with Abraham. Trust me. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you, and I'm going to come through in that area. God's promise is permanent because his presence is permanent. And so Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said this in Matthew 7, verse 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? His, prom his promise is permanent because his presence is permanent. And all you have to do is ask. Let's bow our heads, church, and let's uh, pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Hey, maybe this is your first time at Highlight or in church or whatever your situation is. Um, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you were raised in religion, but you didn't know Christ. And I feel that God is saying that he loves you and he promises to stick around to fulfill his goodness in your life. So on the count of three, if you'd like to make Jesus your Lord, if you want to receive salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, if you want heaven to be your home when you pass away, on the count of three, I'm going to ask that you will raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer with you. This isn't about religion. This is about you and your relationship with God. And on the count of three, you just raise your hands, all heads bowed. Then we're going to pray with you. One, two, three. Let's put those hands down. Praise God. Let's look up, church, and let's give the Lord a hand clap. Got four, four people giving their lives to Christ this morning. Praise God. Let's pray. Everyone repeat after me. Father God, we love you. We praise you. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin. I make you Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church.